This is Radio Guy Reflection. 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 Open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it. Here's a complete disc jockey show with all the modern pace of today's exciting radio. So, you guys hear anything good on the radio lately? On November the 2nd, 1920, the first radio station, KDKA of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, signed on the air. Over the years, radio has changed from radio dramas and live performances to the age of the disc jockey. From the man many believe popularized the term rock and roll, Alan Freed, and legendary radio personalities like Wolfman Jack, Dick Clark, Charlie Tuna, Don Imus, and the men who made talk radio what it is today, Rush Limbaugh, Howard Stern, Sean Hannity, and Glenn Beck. Hi, I'm Dave Denton. I'm a radio guy, and even went by that name on the air in Missouri. I'm a radio veteran who started spinning records in 1974 and have seen the industry change from 45s to LPs, carded music, CDs, and now music on hard drives. In this podcast, We'll take a look back, not only at my career, but other men and women who have worked in radio entertaining you. This is Radio Guy Reflections. Hi everyone, it's Dave Denton, and this is Radio Guy Reflections, brought to you by Dave's Voice Works. Now, if you're needing commercials for your business, or maybe needing a little voice for maybe a project, a video project, maybe it's a documentary, maybe it's something for... Uh, an anniversary gift or something, you need a special voice for that, try Dave's Voice Works. You can contact me at ddenton530 at gmail.com. Now, we also have a podcast we call Turnbuckle Trash. That's a that's a podcast all about the crazy world of professional wrestling. I'm joined by Zane Omak, Zane Peterson, and also Christopher Evans. We're all over the country talking about different aspects of professional wrestling. And on the uh, and on the radio guy reflections, we recently had an interview with Rebecca Cressman of FM 100 in Salt Lake City. She's been on the air in Salt Lake City for 15 years. We talk about her career, where we met ourselves uh, in Cache Valley, and also her struggles with breast cancer. Fascinating, fascinating guest, and that's on another edition, the previous one of this one. We call it Radio Guy Reflections. And today, we are going to be having some reflections of a special guest. (coughs) And I met this guy when he was 16 years old. Now, we're both a lot older now. And uh, he went on to work in radio, also did some television work, took uh, uh, journalism classes at the University of Missouri in Columbia, one of the best journalism schools in the country, by the way, and now he's morphed on to another business concern. Eric Colley. Eric, thank you for joining me, my friend, and uh, welcome to Radio Guy Reflections. Hey, Dave. I'm honored to be on. This is, this is an awesome opportunity, and 
any any opportunity to get back together with you, man, I'll hop all over it. I'm, oh, man. I'm honored. I, I appreciate that. Now, uh, like I said, we met in Rexburg, Idaho, when I was the program director of a radio station called mm-hmm. KRXK. It was an AM mm-hmm. station. And one day you just showed up saying, man, I want to know about radio. Tell me about right. maybe that first time and what made you start thinking about doing a radio career? Well, actually, KRXK was not my first radio uh, gig. <gasps> it was my second. Uh-oh. When I was 10 years old in the fifth grade, um, uh, there, there was a radio station in Idaho Falls, Idaho. I lived in Shelley, which is a rural town uh, south of another rural town in eastern Idaho. And uh, there was a radio station there in Idaho Falls, and uh, there was a news chain, Hanks, and uh, John Sears and John Hanks. And I called them up, and I said, hey, what would you think about doing something called Kids News Review? It was a a once-a-month, five minutes about news involving kids in in eastern Idaho. And they thought that was a cute idea, and we ran for that. We ran with with that, doing me doing a monthly radio gig for about five minutes. Uh, I think back then it was like KCNN or something like that radio. I uh, did that when I was 10 years old. So I already had some, some microphone under, under my mouth, so to speak, uh, by the time uh, I was in my teenager years. And, and then I was just sitting around, you know, just a bored-as-can-be teenager uh, in uh, the summer between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And I just got this idea. I would do anything to, to go back and work in radio. Um, and, I, you know, I would, I would take out their garbage. I would do their filing. I will scrub their toilets. All I would ask is that, you know, after I, I scrub the toilets, I get to sit down, be very inconspicuous, just blend into the wall and, and uh, see how they do their job. And so finally, I just decided, you know, what do I got to lose? What the heck? And I called the radio station and told the receptionist exactly what I just said. And she thought I was awfully strange, which yeah, I'm used <laughs> to. And uh, she, she put me through to you. And, uh, um, and you and I talked and you said, come on down and, and, and let's talk in person. And that's. That's how it kind of got started there. And I, w- I was amazed how, how rapidly KRXK would embrace free labor. And uh, <laughs> by what I heard later on from the announcers, the amount they were, they were getting paid as well, it was pretty much everybody was almost working for free at that time. I, I can attest to that. Put my hand in the air and say, yeah, yes, amen. Uh, uh, and I remember, you know, when you came in and you were saying, I'll do anything. And that impressed me. Uh, to the point that you were a very well-presented young man, and then you came in and and you were willing to learn. And I I just remember Mm -hmm. saying, you know what, this is a a young man that's going to be around for a while because you were in high school. And in small towns, you know, they often hire high school help, especially for the weekends, and you were the guinea pig that year. So so, you did a good job, man. Yeah, and and, and it was fun. And so, you know, about – what three weeks maybe a month later or so there was no an opening on sundays and by then i got to watch you and 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 uh some other announcers uh doing their thing uh i watched marv hepworth and and randy oxenbein and uh 
God, who was the guy who was uh, in in uh, butchering? I can't oh, Frank. Frank. Yeah, Frank yeah, Goble. That Frank Goble. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So I I watch all you guys doing your thing and and really learned the essence of what true talent is by watching you guys, and uh, and and finally an opening came up about three weeks a month later and and you said okay. We're gonna we're gonna put you in there and and we're gonna throw you the wolves and I loved it it was great and you know Marvin is still working in Idaho Falls he and, is and I've just been in touch with Randy Oxenbein who works uh, for Bonneville Communications in mm-hmm. uh, their video department and mm-hmm. uh, Randy is a great guy so it's kind of unusual that three of us that worked in in radio at one time years ago are still in the broadcast industry. You started working for us, and I, I remember there was a time that uh, we were all very scared for you because you had an accident at your other job working, uh, I think it was an Arctic Circle, wasn't it? Right, right. Uh, something happened with the meat slicer, and it sliced off half of my arm. I still have the scar to, I see to prove that, it on yeah. my left arm. And, uh, but uh, that's fine. They, they stitched me up, and well, they put me under and stitched me up, and... and uh, put a cast on my arm and, and I was back uh, up and running. But uh, it was shortly after that, that I decided my, my future did not lie in uh, purple bounty burgers. And so <laughs> I, uh, I decided to uh, quit the fast food industry and, 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 and make radio my, my full-time focus. Now, shortly after all this happened, I, I uh, was hired away from KRXK, and I, I moved to Blackfoot, Idaho, and I kind of lost touch with you. What happened uh, as you uh, progressed, you know, during your high school years, and uh, and then what made that decision to go to Columbia, Missouri? Uh-huh. You know, it was, it was really interesting because um, there I was, a junior and a senior in high school. I was working uh, weeknights and and, uh, and and closing up the radio station. Uh, a couple memories there. Number one, I remember uh, Eastern Idaho getting one of the the worst snowstorms in 20 years, and I closed up the radio station and opened up the door, and lo and behold, there was a wall of snow <laughs> to greet me as I opened the door to leave out to my car, and I quickly concluded, well, I'm not driving the 10 miles to home tonight. So I slept overnight at the radio station. Uh, one of the other things was the infamous pop machine back in the back trailer. Um, I, I remember going back there, getting a, a bottle of Coke and, and going back to the board and, and, and just drinking my Coke and, you know, on the board. And, and I remember looking down in the bottle and it was this, this big mass of mold Oof. that was in the bottle. of, uh, And so I freaked out, called my parents and say, you've got to take me to the hospital. I'm drink- I've been drinking mold. <laughs> and and it, my, I remember my dad saying something like, is that, is, is that a radio station thing? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting a replacement. Come get me. We're going to, you know, the, the, the hospital in Rexburg. So, and, and they tried pumping. They, they tried getting me to swallow syrup of Ipecac, and I wouldn't throw up for them at all. And, and I finally said, they, they said, you know, you're, you're probably going to be okay. Why don't you just go back to work and you'll be fine. And, and I was, I was fine. Oh, okay. um, another one of the things I did um, after you left, because I felt like, well, all the cats away, the mice will play. Um, 
I, I had a friend who was also interested in becoming a radio announcer. His name was Phil Moon. And, and uh, so I, I used him as my special correspondent uh, who would be out and about in the community during my shift because I would tell everybody that I was very big on community engagement at the time. And so Phil was my, my roving uh, engagement guy, my roving reporter during my shift. And one of the times uh, Phil and I had a chicken McNugget eating contest live on the air um, <laughs> And, and, and so we got away with that. Um, and then uh, it, it was fun. We had another announcer that you and I were very good friends with. Her name was Casey Lanigan. Oh, Casey, yeah. And, and, and uh, we worked extensively with Casey and, 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 and through her, all her boyfriend problems there at the radio station. Um, me, myself, it was weird. Here I was a junior and senior in high school, and I wasn't dating. All my other friends had girlfriends. And or the girls have boyfriends, and so all my friends had girlfriends, boyfriends, and they were all dating and going out and doing stuff. And I never dated. I would never go out on dates because I was at the radio station. Been and there, so, done that, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember talking to somebody, one of the announcers there, and he's saying, "Yeah, that's the sacrifice for being, you know, famous and popular is you don't get the girls." And I'm like, "Wait, hold on." I thought the famous popular guys got the girls, but I guess not in this industry. They don't. Um, but the, the cool thing was, was that everybody would call me after their dates to talk about their dates. So I kind of dated by proxy in my junior and senior year in high school. <laughs> uh, never went on very many dates, but I, I always in, enjoyed hearing about the dates that others would have. Now, the question is, while, while you're working nights, didn't you have the, the ladies calling you to request songs and you would talk mm -hmm. to them and, and get yeah. a, you know, a little bit of phone relationship with them? And that, that happened a lot, especially back in those days, didn't it? Yeah, it, it happened a little bit. But, you know, by the time I'd be done with my shift, I mean, it'd be like 12, 12, it'd be 12 o'clock that I would end my shift. I would, I'd have to go home, you know, by 1230 because I'd have to be at seven the next morning to go to school. Right. And then on the weekends, I was on the high school debate team. So, you know, getting out and doing stuff there was out of the question because, mm -hmm. you know, you're on a debate team. So, you know, I, I, I was all talk and no action in high school. Let's just put it that way. And, well, and, I, I met a few, I met a few young ladies from telephone calls and, one of them I won't tell. I won't uh, go into anything else. Others were really nice. I had a few dates and dated a few uh -huh. of the ladies that I, I met through the radio. But it's not recommended because sometimes you get some um, unique individuals that will call disc jockeys late at night and talk to them. It's it's one well, of those yeah, kind of you professions. Never, exactly. You never know when you're going to run into the radio version of Glenn Close and in Basic Instinct. Right. And, <laughs> That's true. Or, you know, or Sharon Stone in, in um, you know, that, that one movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You just never know when they're going to go psycho on you. And my dad was a psychologist at the time. So he'd say, you know, be very careful. You know, you never know when you're, you're going to run into Lizzie Borden or something. Right. And so he kind of freaked me out. So I was I was, you know, I, I was happy to talk, but to actually meet them, I was kind of like, uh, we'll, 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 we'll see. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with you. Nowhere, and I think just about every guy that uh, has ever been behind the microphone would agree with you. Now, let, let's talk about, you made a big decision in your life uh, after high school, 
And you left Little Rexburg, Idaho, and moved halfway across the country. And uh, you started working. Uh, you started going to school. Uh, I think this was the the, the four year school that you went to, the University of Missouri Columbia. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, I went to two years of Boise State. Um, I I had already really decided I wanted to go to Mizzou mm-hmm. for journalism school because my my intention at the time was to become uh, Ted Koppel's replacement on Nightline. Mm-hmm. Actually. Right. And so my game plan was to go, my parents had, had moved to Boise. And so I decided I'll go with them to Boise uh, and, and do my freshman and sophomore year in college there and build up some, some money and, and build up some GPA. And that would help me get into Mizzou. And uh, sure enough, the plan worked and I, and I got accepted in the first round in the journalism school, Wow! which, which was, you know, pretty, uh, most of the kids in my class had tried at least two times to get in there. And I've gotten in there once. And I attribute one of the reasons is because I had had already quite a bit of years of experience in radio Mm -hmm. at the time. And that combined with the GPA got me into uh, the journalism school in the first round. And uh, that is a very, very, very well thought of uh, a journalism uh, school. One of the best in the country, University of Missouri. Uh, So when you went there, uh, you were studying basically TV journalism, is that correct? Or... Right. Uh, there, there are several journalism schools in the country. Columbia is a big one. UT Austin, I think, is another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of print journalism, I'd have to say probably Columbia is the top one. But in terms of broadcast, nobody touches Mizzou. Uh-huh. In, in terms of, of radio and television, uh, there in, in Columbia, Missouri, which is halfway in between Kansas City and St. Louis, uh, they own their own NBC affiliate. And so you're in your junior year, you're, you're reporting the news. And in your senior year, you're either producing newscasts or anchoring them. And you're building up your resume tape. So by the time you've graduated from Mizzou, you're not ready for your first job. You're ready for your second. And that's about and where you and I are hooked up again because exactly in Montgomery City, Missouri, they have one of the largest county fairs in the entire uh, state of Missouri. And they are the smallest county as far as population goes. And I was in Montgomery City and the Montgomery County Fair because I owned a radio station there. And I'm doing reports from the Montgomery County Fair. And all of a sudden, there's a guy saying, Hey, Buford. And that was my nickname. And it was none other than Eric, man. I freaked out that day, man. (laughs) Yeah, I I was there with a friend. And he told me, hey, you got to go to, it's the County Fair of County Fairs. Uh So I'm there. And they got the PA system going there, and I'm listening to it, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Wow, he sounds like Buford." <laughs> and 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 you know, I we keep walking around, and it would kind of, I wouldn't say it irritated me, but it had me insanely curious. Who is this guy who's doing the Buford impersonation? <laughs> because he just does a smoking hot Buford. And then finally, you, I, I remember you said something or a phrase, and I was like, "Hot dang." That's got to be him. Uh-huh. He's got to be here. And I remember that you, your origins were down south mm-hmm. in, in, as well. And so I thought, man, it, it could it be? Could it be? And so I, I, was, I grabbed my friend and I said, we are going to hunt down and find this announcer. He's, he's, he's probably behind some tent somewhere eating a corn dog. We have to find him. Polish sausage. And, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and sure enough, we found you. And I was like, you know what? Of all, you know, 
of all the chances in the world, guess who I bumped into? That was that <laughs> was unreal. And uh, I I was going by one of the radio guys. I was uh, I did a morning show. And we called ourselves the Radio Guys. So the people in Missouri knew me more as Radio Guy Dave. But here when yeah. I heard somebody calling out Buford, I about freaked out. And I look yeah. out and I see Eric and I barely recognized him because he'd grown up, you know. And uh, <laughs> it, it was it was a really pleasant surprise. And I, I, was, I, was, I talked about on the radio probably for two weeks after that about meeting my <laughs> old friend Eric there. So that, that was pretty cool. And I appreciate you hugging hunting me out because that uh, that just continued that friendship, man. You know, it, it's funny because, you know, when going back to Rexburg days, you had a nickname for me, which was Crawdad. That's correct. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, when, when we met there in Montgomery city, of course we hugged and, and just talked for a little bit and you called me Crawdad. And as in, you know, for the rest of the, the trip, my, my friend was calling me Crawdad. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm 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 never going to escape this nickname. Yep. I don't even know how it got started, but you know, I it it's just you know I'm going to go to the pearly gates someday, and Peter's going to go. You're not on the list, but I've got a thing here for Crawdad. Is that you? <laughs> you know, and 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 so uh, it it was hilarious. My my past was catching up to me, and and I was working radio in Columbia at the same time, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, there were some people who were aware of the the the, the, the wild and crazy certifiable radio guys down there, and, and so, yeah, you know, it, it was interesting how you know something serendipitous like that could could close the universe, close the world so so closely like that. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it it impressed the heck out of me. Well, you know, uh, when I moved here to Cache Valley, uh, right after I started working radio here. Uh, I was doing a remote broadcast in the morning, doing my morning show directly from a little place near the Cache Valley Mall, and I was giving away tickets to a concert coming up the station was involved with, to Colin Ray. And uh, so I was asking uh, trivia questions and having people come in, and this one lady came comes up, and she answers the question, and I'm actually on the air, so I congratulated her and, you know, talked to her a little bit on the air, and I said, hang on for a little bit. And I did my the rest of my, my bit, and I signed off, went back to the radio station for music. And I looked at this, this young lady, and I said, um, I know you. And I gave her her maiden name. And this was a young lady I met my first year at Rex College in <laughs> 1975. And I used to hang out with her. And her roommates all the time dated one of her roommates for a little while. And she didn't recognize me because I had long hair and a beard, you know. So I said, I'm Buford. <laughs> and uh, she just freaked out. And then over the last few years, I've run into some people that, you know, knew me as Buford, which is a nickname. Uh, it's not my real name. I uh, ran into some, and I've had people contact me on Facebook that I was good friends with that just put in Buford and my name came up because they didn't really realize my name was David Denton. So it is a small world, especially uh, when uh, you, you work in radio and you run into so many people. So Yeah, I, yeah. and that's one of the things I, I, I learned is that you can be half a country away and you never know when you're going to bump into one of your friends. That, you that's true. You just never know. So when you were at uh, the University of Missouri and you were doing it on the NBC affiliate your junior year, I think I remember tuning, tuning in and seeing you do weather forecast. I don't remember you doing any of the 
the anchoring. Did you do weather for a while? Yeah, they have you. They they rotate you around. You do a little sports. You do a little weather. You do a little news. So you get a well-rounded breadth of experience there uh, inside a, a a real real live yeah. TV news studio. They do a great job. Yeah, fantastic job. Uh, I can't recommend them highly. If, if you know, if you want to go into broadcast news, that's that's the ticket there. Now, now the the dirty little secret is that uh, it's interesting. You know, how many in my class are still in broadcast news? Because I'm out of it. And mm-hmm. you know, one of my one of my classmates is uh, uh, works for Fox News. Uh, he's stationed out of Florida right now. Wow. But um, uh, not very many of us stayed. No, not very many. My my broadcast schooling at Ricks College, I think I'm the the last one, to be honest with you. So it is a, a very transient business. So I want yeah, to talk is. to you a little bit about what happened to you after the University of Missouri, and did you? How long did you stay in broadcast journalism? So um, I I left Missouri and uh, went back to Idaho, and within a couple months, probably about three. Months after returning to Idaho, I got a job at KIDK Television in Idaho Falls. Mm-hmm. I was a reporter anchor, and of course, the reporters had to photog their own video as well there. Right. So, you know, it was a good thing that I got that well-rounded experience in Mizzou because uh, it went to work almost immediately. You know, it was interesting. You know, being interviewed by the news director there to get the job, she's like, you know, asking me all these questions about East Idaho, and and I answered them with more depth and, and experience than, than, um, than even she was used to. I mean, she said, what's the difference between Rigby and Ryrie? And I said, well, do we start with the cheerleaders or do the high school cheerleaders? Or do we go beyond that? You know, uh-huh. and, 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 you know, I was hired on the spot because of my, you know, partially because, you know, I, I knew Eastern Idaho like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked there for a, a, uh, about a year and a half. And, uh, Got a job uh, working in uh, the Idaho State House as the press secretary there. Oh, cool! That's awesome. Uh, worked for a, a guy named Mike Crapo, who ended up becoming a U.S. representative and a U.S. United States senator. That's cool. And uh, went from there for uh, time managing political campaigns. And so I was campaign manager for a while, and after that became the uh, press secretary to uh, the Idaho Attorney General. And then went to Ada County, which is the Boise area, and right. was the press secretary there for a while, and and then went out into um, uh, work for a couple of uh, worked for um, a lobbyist firm for a bit, and um, uh, a, uh, a wellness program. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. I uh, d- uh, developed a, a a very innovative wellness program for a company and worked there for about six years, and then after that. Uh, worked for uh, doing uh, the marketing for Idaho's largest pain clinic. And then after that, and now we're up to about 2014, uh, decided to pitch out on my own, do my own thing. And I've been uh, working out of my den for uh, almost uh, the last seven years, wow. six and a half years. Now, uh, when you talked about Senator Crapo, I, I think he went to Rick's college. I think I knew Mike yeah. at uh, at college because uh, I, I reckon I saw his face one day and went, "Whoa!" I, so that once again, it's a small world after all. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah, you've done a lot, and and I'm and actually, Eric, I'm very impressed that you moved into uh, the, being the press secretary and working with the politicians because you had that that background in journalism that probably helped you understand what these other guys that you know were behind the camera and the microphone were looking for, and 
So you're using some of your skills that you learned over the years uh, in, in other jobs. Now, when you moved on to marketing and doing your own small business, mm-hmm. how did how did your experience in radio and TV and journalism uh, help you get to where you're at today, man? Well, it, that's interesting because I, I had a chat with somebody really recently about that. Um, I, I'm kind of harking back to the days of KRXK back in radio and you and I, because one of the things that you, you said was that, look, you snot nosed kid, very respectfully though. Um, we're, we're going to, we're going to make something out of you. And to do that, we need to ensure this continuous uh, improvement process is instilled in you. So that every time you crack open that microphone in radio, you know what you're going to say, you're, how you're going to say it, you know, time, temperature, sometimes weather. Um, but the important thing is, is that I'm going to record you, and, you're, and this is you saying this, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to record you, and you're never going to know when I recorded you. But about every two weeks or so, we're going to sit down, and we're going to listen to that recording and we're going to talk about what you said and how you said it, and we're, we're going to work on it. And so every two weeks, you're going to get better and better and better at it. And sure enough, by the time um, that, you know, I was, I, because uh, I, you know, after KRXK, after Rexburg, I went to Blackfoot, followed you there, and then um, you went back uh, Midwest or mm-hmm. in, in the central U.S., and, and I went uh, back up to Rexburg for another station called KADQ. And by then, I was I was pretty confident as as an announcer, and it was that continuous improvement of of reevaluation of of your productivity, your performance, the quality of your outputs, uh, and not only that, but internally as well. Because you know, you you would say, look, people can tell when you're smiling on the air. People can tell when you're having a crappy day. And when you're having a good day, and you were the morning guy at the time, and you and, and, and at some times, and and you said, look, even with me, I've got my bad days, you know, maybe one day out of the year, but I do have my bad days, <laughs> and 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 you know, I have to get on there because it's not fair for me to inflict my bad day on other people, and so my trying to have other people to have a good day helped me have a better day as well when I was down, and that. You know, you get those lessons that you learned and you carry them forward through life. And it really helps your perspective on, you know, you know, just, just yesterday, mm-hmm. just yesterday, I was in the Walmart and uh, I was going through the checkout line and there's this 19 year old kid checking me through and I go, how's your day? And he's like, oh, okay. And I go, how's your day? Mm-hmm. And he paused and he went. I'm not having a good day. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And uh, luckily, you know, it was a time when it wasn't very busy. and You could talk to me a little bit about it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give you an outright challenge. And that is to positively influence as many people as you can today and write down the number. And then tomorrow, when you come back to work, see if you can beat that number of people that you positively influence. And that was you know, based in part on some of those lessons that I learned at a radio station in Podunk, Idaho, where if you're having a bad day, no, quit focusing on yourself and focus on helping others to have a good day. And you know what? 
things are going to look a heck of a lot brighter in a short amount of time. So, you know, I, I, I look at those lessons about continuous improvement, about attitude that I learned, you know, literally sitting on the carpet behind you, literally at your feet uh-huh. in, in a small little eight by eight studio in Podunk, Idaho. It was in a trailer that was yep. facing towards the Teton Mountains. And uh, it was beautiful in a trailer. View. Yeah, it was a beautiful view. And the reason it was in a trailer was because the radio station was flooded in 1976 uh, during the Teton Dam flood. Teton Dam. Mm-hmm. And you were living in Rexburg at that time? Uh, I lived in Teton, which oh, is okay. about 10 miles northeast. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. that And you know what? Uh, those were great times. But, you know, you touched me when you were talking about you and I talking about always trying to improve. I've often told people that it's hard being on the radio when you have those bad days, but you can't take that day with you on, on the radio. It's not and fair. It's yeah. not fair to, to the listener. It's not fair to your employer. And then one thing I think that I've got to compliment you because I always told people you're going to make mistakes. And I'm sure you made plenty of mistakes. And I said, mm-hmm. when you make that mistake, don't dwell on it. Learn mm-hmm. from it. And yep. uh, I that's just a philosophy. And I've made plenty of mistakes. And if you want to hear a good story, i got a good story for you, Eric. When I was in Montgomery City, I used to do a lot of high school play-by-play. And I went to a little town north of Columbia, uh, right outside of Moberly. And I can't mm-hmm. remember the name of it. But uh, they were, it, w- it was doing a football game between Montgomery R2 and this particular school. And I had a, a, a young teenager back at the studio running the board work, making sure the commercials got on okay. And then I'd always let them be on the air for a couple hours after, after I trained them a little bit. So I'm a good three and a half hours away from Montgomery City, and I'm driving back, and I get home, I go to bed, And the next morning, I get a telephone call. And who is on the telephone but the mayor of Montgomery City complaining? Because when I signed off and a few minutes later, the guy was being um, a disc jockey, he forgot to turn off the microphone. And he went off with a string of cuss words that would make anybody blush. So I got off with the mayor after apologizing And a few minutes later, the city police chief calls me up. He heard the same thing. Later that day, the county sheriff calls me to tell me the same thing. So I don't know how I'm going to handle it with this young man. I I guess I could have just fired him. But I've always wanted to let people know that you make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And the next week, I was at another away game And I had him on the telephone right before we went on the air. And I called him by his name, and I said, tell me what happened. And you could hear him go, and I said, honestly, tell me what happened last Friday night. And the kid started crying. He was so embarrassed. And I remember telling him, and I firmly believe this, that people make mistakes. I could have fired you, and I probably should have, but I believed in the kid. And Mm -hmm. I said, you do that one more time, and you're out. And I said, this is your one final warning. And I remember 
when I got back into Montgomery the next day, I'm at the radio station. He shows up, and boy, we had a talk. And yeah, uh, yeah it was very tearful. And then all of a sudden, you know, his parents called to see what's going on because he told them he was going to come out. Because I really thought this was a very nice young man. So uh, people do make mistakes, and I hope that – and I had later on something happened to me that um, uh, when I made a mistake in, in Baton Rouge that my boss did basically the same thing to me and said, if you make a mistake like that again, I'll have to fire you. But right now you learn from it and move on. And I, it wound yeah. up costing that company $1,000, the mistake I made. So mm. I was going, boy, I was ready to pack my bags and go. So yeah. yeah, this this is an industry, I think, that not only teaches communications, but if done right, it can teach you life skills that uh, no other yeah. industry can, can bring you, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, when I was there working at the uh, radio station, uh, in, in Rexburg, I would get off, it was my senior year and I, and I, you, know, you have a work placement program. Uh-huh. So I, I, I got my last two hours of school instead of getting out at three ten, I got out at one fifteen, and got to go out and, you know, I, I grabbed some chicken nuggets and just go to work and eat a late lunch and, and work on production, you know, work on ads and stuff like that and start my shift later on. And, and while I was there, of course, you know, the daytime staff would be there. So the clerks and secretaries and everybody would be there too. And one of them I actually went to high school with, and, and I'll just call her Jennifer. Although the, the, the first initial is accurate and the rest of it is. Oh, I remember, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and worked with Jennifer and and Jennifer was, was a very conscientious person and, 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 and very smart and intelligent and pretty and, I said something about her. I was talking, I think I was talking to you. I think I was talking to you at the time, actually. And I was talking about Jennifer and they were, it was kind of demeaning about her. And, and you were like, um, 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 and I kept ignoring you as I was talking and finally out from, you know, behind the curtain from the filing cabinet emerges Jennifer who had heard every word I had said. And I remember you give me this look like, dude, you're beyond busted. You're like dead. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you know, you're going to be lucky to survive the day. Yeah. And, but, but I remembered that I, I remembered, you know, always be careful of what you're saying about whom you never know when there's going to be a hot mic or the person's going to be around the car. You just never know. Right. And boy, learned a valuable lesson there. Yeah. So now, now you're working with small businesses, and you've been helping yeah. me out since I lost my job. Uh, let's talk about your business. Tell everyone what your business is called, and mm-hmm. and uh, and what you do with uh, helping out uh, people. Yeah, my business is small business marketing. I'm a very creative kind of guy, so yeah. I thought, well, if I'm going to be doing small business marketing, eh, I'll be uber creative and call myself. Small, Small business, business marketing. marketing. Boy, that is creative right. there, Eric. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, the creativity, you, you can tell right from the get-go that my the creativity is just oozing from, but there's a method to that madness, which is if a company is looking for some smart, for some marketing assistance, they're going to hit Google, and what are they going to type in? Small business marketing. Right. And who's going to pull up in the results? Boom. Small business marketing. So there's actual an actual methodology to that. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I, I help the little guy. Most, uh, 
marketing agencies, advertising agencies will take a pass on working with clients who are only, only going to pay 350, 500, maybe 750 a month. I mean, those are small fry. Most marketing agencies are, you know, are, are going to start in the realm of about $3,000 a month retainer. Correct. And, and my, my feeling was, you know, when I started my company back in, in 2014, I thought, you know, instead of having one egg in one basket, I want to have a bunch of little eggs in the basket. So if one cracks and I, if I lose a client, you know, I've, I've got plenty to back me up. And, and sure enough, I, that, that has held true for six and a half years. I've been very blessed. And so what I do is I work with these small businesses and helping them ascend to you know, as, as near the top as possible on Google without having to pay for advertising because the ROI on digital advertising isn't that great, it's not. actually. Yeah. And, and, but there are other things that you can do to really generate leads, to generate traffic into the, uh, into the small business that don't involve advertising, and that's what I focus on. And it's, been, it's taken care of my family and I very well. That that's uh, you know what an idea because uh, the big the big guys are not going to be uh, helping out the little guys and small businesses as we have found out during this pandemic is basically the lifeblood of our country. Small business employs so many more people than the big business or as I like to call them big government uh, because <laughs> government is a huge employer in this country. So uh, I'm very I'm very proud of you for finding that niche market that you're serving, and I th- I just think that's incredible. So how can if let's just say somebody has a small business and they could use your service, how could they get in touch with you? Well, first of all, and I'm I'm you know although I'm located in in Utah, I only have one of my clients in Utah. Uh, I've got clients in California. I've got them on the East Coast. I've got them in Canada. Um, and, and I'm, you know, I'm doing interviews all the time for more clients. I just had another one in Cleveland the other day. So, you know, my clientele isn't limited to Utah. It's, it's throughout the United States and, oh. and, and Google meet and, and zoom have made that, uh, really, really doable now. Right. Um, but it, in answer to your question, it, it, if somebody has a small business, what I like to do is just sit down with them on the phone or on Google meet or zoom or whatever, and just sit down and learn about their company, learn about their industry, learn about their market, and 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 see just who's doing what in their market. And and while I'm talking to them, I can pull up and go, okay, so there's, you know, your competitor A and competitor B, and they're pulling up pretty good, and they're looking good. And and now we can engage with them in discussion about uh, kind of a quasi-competitive analysis and how they're doing competitively uh, against the other guys across the street. And, and uh, you know, based on that information, I, I put together what's, what's considered a, a very basic marketing plan. Here's the proven things uh, in the marketing realm that can help you gain a competitive advantage over, over these other guys. And, you know, whether they go with me or not, I'd like for them to, to use my services, but if not, at least they have something that they can run with. And, you know, I'm a big believer in what's called relationship marketing mm-hmm. and just, you know, help the other person out. Don't have any expectations, just be helpful, helpful, helpful. And, you know, that karma has carried me through so much. And, and, you know, you know, you help people and life kind of 
you know, scratches your back as well. And uh, uh, I've been very blessed that, you know, I have enough clients that I can put the mac and cheese and the ramen on the table and and, uh, work out of the house and uh, work in my pajamas during the pandemic while everybody else is freaking out about interacting with people. It went right around us. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, you know, that, that's my philosophy. Let's just sit down and, and see what we, you know, what we can do. And at, at the minimum, at least I've got a new friend out of it. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And I know uh, we've been uh, talking a little bit over the last uh, week or so about the situation I find myself in. And uh, yeah. I think during our conversation the other day, I, I found myself wanting to get away from necessarily air work. And I found myself more like you, uh, focusing on smaller radio stations and maybe trying to help yeah. them out. And uh, yeah. I think that's nothing but just from you and I talking. And I'm hoping that we can uh, uh, maybe come up with uh, something to to help that out. I just, but talking to you was what helped me realize. I think that's the direction I need to go in. You know, and I I really think that because. You know, the smaller radio stations are at such a disadvantage to the, the bigger radio stations that have more financial resources and, and they have their own promotion departments and whatever. And, and are there things that little radio stations can do to be more competitive in their, in their market? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you have to be creative. You have to be dedicated. It doesn't necessarily involve a lot of money, but it does involve really using your noggin and, and, and getting your feet out there and, and doing some stuff that, that, that works in other small markets uh-huh. and embracing it. And I think it also takes uh, a little bit of time and creativity. And I've yep. often heard, you know, the, the phrase of, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to cut down my own industry. They say, think outside of the box. But recently that box has been shrinking and shrinking and people have been doing nothing but thinking inside the box trying to sound like the big guys in radio and a little a little town cannot sound like a big city no matter what they do unless they use satellite music services and and then they hire people to do voice tracking from all over the country but those okay. voice trackers aren't going to know what's going on in let's say Ephraim uh, Utah or maybe in Montgomery City Missouri they're not going to know about the little small town outside of of uh, Montgomery City that looks like it's pronounced Oxvasi and it's Avas. And uh, they're not going to know about Manaway, Utah, which is spelled Mantua, or or Scipio, Utah, which people say Scipio all the time. Scipio, yeah. And and then then my favorite is my sister was coming to visit me in Rexburg from California. She's driving up I-15, stops to give me a call saying she's going to be delayed she was stopping at a McDonald's in Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> so, and that's the little things that uh, that I think that you and I understand about smaller smaller communities is they're very vibrant, and they can be served by a small radio station if they don't get inside that box and inside themselves, trying to sound like the big guys because there's no way they're going to sound like the big guys. They will mm-hmm. sound like that community and that's the most right. important thing yeah i mean you know like like what, what can a radio station do in a, in a in a rural setting you know for example uh you know how much does a cloth mask cost how how many kids are in a, in a rural high school maybe 300 or so mm-hmm. you know spend three thousand dollars 
to get a cloth mask uh, for each of the kids in the high school. And say if you're a rock station, you, you just put across the front of the mask, we rock. Mm-hmm. And then you put your, your call letters down in the bottom of it. And all of a sudden, that radio station has 300 evangelists walking around the schools, the halls, with that that call sign on the bottom of the mask. Mm-hmm. Little, I mean, little billboards. That's what. That's all it is. You, little billboards. You've got mobile billboards for a, an eight-hour stretch there, and and you know how many small radio stations have thought, man, if we invested three thousand dollars, we have three hundred mo- mobile billboards, and these kids are going to wear their masks into Walmart, into McDonald's, and so you know it's the gift that keeps on giving, and so you know it, it takes creativity like that. To just think, you know, three thousand dollars. How how could we really maximize that? And and these are solutions that marketing guys, that, that radio guys like like you, David, have have been there, done that, seen that, and and can bring that experience to the benefit of small markets. Yeah, and uh, Eric, I'm I'm really proud of the man that you uh, have become from the from the age of sixteen when we first met, ever so long ago, and I would yeah. say that. Um, uh, that was back in the mid seventies guys. So, uh, you know, we, we've been around a little bit, but you've taken lessons, not only that I started you off with, but you, and this is what always impresses me with uh, people that are successful is they, they listen to others and they listen Mm -hmm. to what other people are doing and what makes them successful. And, uh, I've got to compliment you that you've taken that opportunity to learn, so much, not only from radio, but your journalism classes and parlaying in that to a very successful life. And a uh, crawdad, man, I am proud of you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, huge compliment coming from you. So thanks, Dave. All right. Well, that is Eric Colley. And uh, Eric uh, worked with me for just a short time in Idaho. And he has been our guest today on Radio Guy Reflections. Don't forget to check out our other uh, podcast on Radio Guy Reflections. The very first one uh, features myself with my uh, broadcast partner on my Turnbuckle Trash, Zane O'Mac, who's not a radio guy, interviewing me about my career. And then the second one is uh, Rebecca Cressman. Rebecca works at FM 100 in Salt Lake City. A very fascinating interview with her. And then Eric, and then we have some plans in the near future, Eric, to be talking not only to people I know, but other radio announcers from around the country. Uh, And we invite anybody that has been in the radio industry to contact me at ddenton530 at gmail.com. That's ddenton530 at gmail.com. I think uh, Radio Guy Reflections is going to be an interesting podcast for anybody that loves radio or has been in radio, and I'm just so excited about the future of this podcast. Eric, thank you so much, my friend. Hey, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. And that's Radio Guy Reflections, a podcast about radio and the people behind the microphone. In future podcasts, we'll look at what makes us successful and sometimes a train wreck of a radio show. As we say in the radio business, if you put that on the radio, people will listen to it. We'll talk with people who started in radio and moved on to success in other fields. Radio Guy Reflections will be back soon with another show about radio and the men and women who produce the radio programs you've loved to listen to. 
Radio Guy Reflections is a production of Dave's Voice Works.